You're listening to Unraveling Rachel. This podcast is all about this journey that we call life and how we can live it more authentically so that it sucks less and feels better. Sounds good, huh? Hi there, my friends. Today's episode is just going to be a bit of an update. I don't know about you, but I feel like the last two months have just kind of been this weird time space of like they went by really fast and yet really slow and like the days are the same but they're not um just things are weird uh things are weird and I wanted to give you an update on where I'm at and how I'm feeling about that um how I'm dealing with it so I'm on voluntary medical leave from work um, because of my compromised immune system, what I went through last year, and so my job's protected and my insurance is protected as long as I'm paying into it, um, but I'm not making any money. So there's stress from that. Um, Luckily, some things have come forward from work that I used to do and work that I'm looking at pursuing more of, so that's really good, um, and it gives me some sort of um, outside directed purpose, which I find very helpful for me to have. If I'm left to my own devices all the time to create my own structure and my own purpose, I can get really, really lost. So that's been nice to have. Um, but it's also been really nice to have more space for what feels like the healing that I didn't get to do after my surgery. After my surgery, I was so focused on the physical, um, that the emotional was just not like I wasn't in a space to be able to process it. And I went back to work probably too soon even though that's what the Western medical doctor said was right. 120 days, that's the time it takes for your body to get back because that's all they care about, right, is the body, it seems. Not how the body and the mind are connected. Um, Not with any awareness of what led to the illness in the first place and how that accumulation of stress in the body um, may still be present in ways in the psyche and now maybe compounded by surgery um, even though the physical pathology is gone so I I went back to work when my body was ready enough and I say ready enough because I still didn't always have full control over my bowels and um, my digestion was just still pretty wonky so and 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 in hindsight I see how that was really stressful for me now having this more downtime and also more tools and awareness for um tuning into my body and sensation uh I am just really grateful to have this space to hopefully work through what I had been through. And I'm going to talk more about that um, like I do on Instagram with updates about Smart Body, Smart Mind. And I will probably um, do a little bit more of a a review of that in general. 
Um, but what I feel, and this is just totally off the cuff, so, man, it might be rambly, but I'm going to try and keep the ramble to under half an hour. Um, this time is weird, and something I appreciate about times of weirdness is that it's a break from the monotony. It, I don't think that some of the realizations that I've had, some of the healing that's happened, some of the connections that I've made, the feelings that I've processed through would have happened if it wasn't for this. Like the other day I broke down in tears on the sidewalk after that whole like Trump thing uh, when I realized that it bothered me so much because it really touched a part of me that was hurting. Um, and in the everyday, if I would have been worried about making it home to go to work or whatever, um, focused on like the go, 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 I don't, I feel like I would have stuffed that down and pushed it away. And that's very much the problem, (laughs) the, the source of so much of our disease in this lifetime It was the source for me, my belief system of my cancer, really. It's all that repressed emotion, all that stuff that I didn't address, didn't want to feel, didn't want to acknowledge, couldn't express. Um, I had this feeling, and I've said this before, that um, expression was the antidote for my depression, and that is coming through in this smart body smart mind course and it just feels like such a ray of sunshine to understand that I knew that I I felt through that before I had someone who has experience in healing trauma um, confirm that for me Uh, and now getting to understand how I can actually access that in a safe way for my system is really really empowering so um what else am I up to um oh I wanted to talk about my three c's that I had for the year and how this is all uh how I'm still embracing those three c's in this weird time so my three c's for 2020 were commitment, curiosity, and compassion. And notice COVID (laughs) is not on there. COVID, coronavirus, not in my C's. Um, Just like last year in my words that I had chosen, cancer wasn't a part of it either. But, you know, it came up and it's a big thing. Um, And it gifted me, in, in a sense, a gateway for the other three things that I had wanted to feel to come through. Um, I mean, I really had no choice uh, to, but to, to find those three things with that present in my life. Just like, um, I don't, if I want to really continue with finding commitment and curiosity and compassion, COVID's just part of what's happening. It's just a thing. Um, so that being said, it's it's a thing, 
that's real and happening and it's caused a big shift in way in in the way of life and what I expected um so what I've been committed to has shifted I think that's true for all of us I think that these things that come up really help us focus our values I and I appreciate that I I really do I appreciate the break from the monotony I suppose um an openness for evaluation um and um it's an openness for evaluation and a convenient opportunity to shift making big shifts in times of like stuff like this (laughs) I feel like is almost easier than in times of routine because like in times of routine making a big move people be like why would you do that that's crazy but in times when things are already shaken up if you if you make a big move it's maybe not as noticeable is that crazy um and when I when I picture this in my head I picture like I don't know why like a a half full jar like a ball jar of, of um like popcorn or oats or something and then if one piece moved and made a big move when the jar was sitting it would be really noticeable but when like everything else is shaken up like it's easier to move or it's like here's maybe more a more relatable analogy if you're in a room where everybody's sitting down and suddenly like you want to get up and dance um getting up and dancing is like maybe feeling a little like whoa like I can't do that but if everybody's dancing you can dance um yeah so for some reason um this weird time feels comfortable for me and Irene Lyon who I'm taking the smart body smart mind course with she posted an article on why some people feel more comfortable in chaos I have not listened to it but perhaps um perhaps that's a part of it too for me so anyway um the three c's and how they're showing up for me now with commitment um this is something that I worked with a coach on um I worked with a coach from an amazing coach by the way she's a make shit happen coach and I realized that um you know thanks to cancer I really wanted to make some shit happen in my life there were things that I wasn't doing that I kept dreaming about that I wasn't taking action on so from October through um like mid-March of this year uh, October 2019 through mid-March um like our coaching ended right when COVID kind of like really burst onto the scene here in the U.S. Um, but in that time frame, I worked with her to to make more things happen in my life, and um, commitment was a big part of that. I was having trouble committing to things, and part of that was difficulty in um, my well. Part of that was my fear of quitting because I would be told like oh you can't do that you'll just quit and so um, I had that in my head and that kept me from um, picking something and moving forward because why would I like I just quit Um, 
she helped me evaluate what it was that I wanted to commit to, what I really could commit to, like what I had time for, um, and helped me develop ways to hold myself accountable and establish new routines so that um, I could actually do the things, all the steps of the things that I needed to do to achieve the things I desired. And in, in doing that, that old script showed up, you'll just quit. Um, oh, and the other one, how do you think you'll do that? That was something that I feel like I heard from my dad a lot. Um, but she helped me develop tools in, in scheduling and being realistic with my time. Um, and also in realizing that it's okay to shift priorities, that commitment isn't written in stone, that shifting priorities isn't the same as quitting, resting is not the same as quitting. And sometimes, and this I knew intellectually, but I really, in the, in the container of this coaching that I did with her, um, felt like I had the permission to um, explore different ways of commitment without seeing it is failure. Um, and there were weeks when I was really, uh, on, like on it with my scheduling and staying consistent and knowing what I needed to do. And then there were times when I was just not, and gave myself space to be and connect with people and follow more intuition. And that's when things would seem like, well, I didn't do the thing I committed to, but this other thing happened. And it's actually led me to something even, even greater or introduced me to someone who reflected something to me or opened up a door to this opportunity or is a new connection or... Um, you know, maybe I learned something or had an experience where I was like, oh, you know what, that thing that I've been working towards that I've been committed to, um, isn't actually the thing that I want to do. And that's okay because the things that I learned apply to this other thing. And it was like, she helped me, she helped me find a structure that allowed for flow. And that was really awesome. And then all this COVID stuff happened. And suddenly the circumstances of life shifted in a way that I didn't have the external, um, the external expectation of like going to work every day. And so I didn't have that cadence and it opened up this space that sort of just um, was exciting because I got to listen to the podcasts I want to and learn and write and sleep when I needed to and eat on a schedule that worked for my hunger and connect with people in a bigger way. And that was like the first month of shelter in place for me. Um, but then I felt like lost again without a, like I had all this energy without a direction for it to flow. And, um, this, that's something that I have been reevaluating my commitments, um, this last month. So I'm still committed to things, um, that I wanted to be 
committed to before, they're just taking shape in a different way. And uh, the podcast, I, I was beating myself up a little bit for not doing it, for not recording on the schedule that I wanted. And then I realized that's okay. This commitment that I've made to the podcast has largely been for myself. Uh, I appreciate everyone who's listened and I know that there's value in me sharing my story. Um, but I also, um, know that for it to be authentic in the way that I want it to be, I can't force it. So I'm really honoring, um, my truth, which is the unraveling by allowing it to be as it, as it comes. Um, so it feels really good. Um, commitment, other commitments, um, how, like what's going on with that, like health stuff, um, that's been thrown off with the COVID thing. And I am developing the courage to, um, get back to that. And by back to that, I mean, going to a doctor's office, having the things done. Um, and I feel like there were some other things I wanted to talk about regarding commitment, but you know what? Uh, it's, it's out of my mind right now. And I, I, I looked at notes and I feel like sometimes when I do that, it, it throws me off. That's something that I've been exploring with the podcast is how, how much I sketch out and how much is just me sitting down and speaking and allowing myself to flow through it without fear that I'll forget something. Um, and realizing that if it didn't come out, hey, that's okay. But then I also want to be sure that I am um, being coherent uh, and not just babbling. But anyway, so that's that. So then um, there's curiosity. Um, and see, here I am looking at notes again. This is so... Okay. Putting the notes away and just talking. So with curiosity, um, I have really, that's something that I feel like through all of this, I've kept really present. Just curiosity. How am I feeling? What's going on? Is that true? What's possible? I... I will admit that I, I don't feel like I really ever went into fear and panic mode with COVID. I had some moments where my partner's anxiety got to me and I got a little, a little anxious, a little like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Um, but I think because I stay away from the news, um, I didn't really go into as much freak out as I could have and also the realization last year that life is uncertain stuff happens um I already I already had some experience with that I suppose um but I noticed that for other people in my life and just people that I've observed through social media and the news curiosity is a little harder um, it, you know, there wasn't this like, Ooh, like what's possible? What might come of this? There's a lot of like, 
oh my gosh, how am I going to pay the bills? All, all valid things. Totally valid. Don't get me wrong. I'm not um, invalidating any of that or saying that it's wrong at all. But um, we do have choice in where we focus to some extent. Um, or I should say, there is a range of things available to us to focus on and where we focus has something to do with how we're feeling inside. Um, so I bring this up because curiosity felt natural to me in this time and um, it hasn't for others. And I was speaking to the woman who really introduced me to polyvagal theory because I, I'm going to have her on the podcast uh, for my first interview, which is something that I've lagged on scheduling. But um, we were talking about curiosity and she said, you know, I've, I've modified what I want to say about that because, because we have to have safety first curiosity is not possible unless we feel safe and that was like oh yeah yeah right so that explains why um some people are able to access it and other people are just freaked out about needing to survive um because they don't feel safe survival is safety um and that was that was big uh, and I feel very fortunate to feel safe in where I'm at um, so that I can access that. And having that realization um, that curiosity and safety go hand in hand, that safety comes first, helped me see in, in communication with other people how um, some things that can really bother me like it I don't like it when I'm having a conversation and the person is like a total know-it-all and you say one thing like oh like I'm gonna use a really stupid example like oh these um these pickles aren't fermented no all pickles are fermented definitely that's how you get a pickle and you're like, no, actually, you can have a vinegar pickle. Like, no, all da-da-da. And they're like, not like, oh, really? I don't know. Is that true? Like, you know, when someone's, like, really attached to, like, their way of knowing, no, this is it. Or you say something and they immediately dive into, like, some story that they have about pickles instead of, like, asking you about what you were talking about. Like, that, that just, I don't. It's not a conversation that makes me want to engage with people. And um, I, I've noticed that in people that I interact with. And I will tend to just, like, shut down or extract myself from the conversation. Or sometimes I just kind of placate them. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But then my interest kind of goes out the window. Um, and I've, I've ascribed it to a a sense of insecurity on their part and I think that that understanding that safety comes before curiosity um, affirms that in a way because um, it's like 
they need to prove something. Insecurity is a form of not safety. Um, so in the way, like, how has that helped me? Uh, it's helped me to take things not so personally. Um, and also, uh, I guess it brings me to compassion. Um, my third C to have a little compassion there and just see that, Hey, that's a thing in them that they're going through and it's okay. Um, and just let it be, uh, within my own, like, zone of comfort. Like, I don't, I, I don't try to change the person, but I also don't necessarily, um, feel the need to engage further because it just, it's a boundary that I need to have. Like, it doesn't do much for my energy, um, and I realize it's, it's not, um, like, it's not fertile, fertile, it's not fertile soil for cultivating the connection that I desire so I don't put my energy into it um yeah so that that's that with curiosity curiosity has been really empowering for me in this time like how can I how can I serve how can I learn how can I rest how can I connect what's going on with this person or what do I really even need to know um and observing other people's behaviors without judgment and cultivating more understanding which I think is also part of compassion although the one thing that I wanted to talk about specifically with compassion and this came through in a conversation with my roommate who um I tend to have amazingly uh, these amazing curi- these amazing conversations that are just full of curiosity um, and free thinking that I value so much. But I had mentioned compassion is one of my three C's. And he said, oh yeah, I've been thinking about compassion and I kind of don't like it. There's, there's something about it that I'm trying, I'm, I'm, Reevaluating, I think he said something like that. But it was that compassion assumes suffering. You know, there's all this like, oh, you should have compassion for people. Compassion, it's such a like a highly valued trait. But compassion assumes suffering. So why do we so highly value a trait that assumes that other people are suffering? Like, we don't assume why don't we just assume that people are joyful? Um, so I think it's like a very, a very Buddhist thing. I mean, because Buddhism is, um, based on this assumption that suffering is a way of life. (laughs) Um, and in, in some ways, yes, suffering is a part of life, but so is joy too. So, um, I have been thinking more about compassion and how I define it, how I embrace it, um, how I how I choose compassion in relationship with myself uh, and in relationship with other people. And I think relationship with self always comes first. And so the compassion that I have 
for myself is it, it does presume suffering and I'm okay with that because I have suffered. I've suffered a lot in my life. I have suffered at the hands of people who love me, not by their intent necessarily, um, and not by my own choice. And I have also suffered by my own treatment of myself and my own choices and actions, my own decisions, um, and my own lack of boundaries. Um, I've suffered and I have come to realize that I have some choice and say in my suffering, how I view that past suffering and how I choose to allow myself to uh, experience what we call suffering in my life going forward. And in this more empowered state of awareness of the suffering that I've had in my life, how it's taken form, and how it continues through, through me, and how I have some, some sort of conscious uh, control. I hesitate to use the word control. But I have some sort of conscious um, choice in the suffering. Um, ugh, I was talking about all that with my eyes closed. And I opened them. And it really shook me out of that, that state. I'm fascinated by that because in some of the neurosensory exercises that I've been doing through the Smart Body, Smart Mind program, I notice that I'll have a tendency to close my eyes and Irene will prompt us to perhaps open our eyes and see how that changes the experience. And it does change the experience. Um, I've been getting more comfortable with the open-eyed exercises, but I do have a tendency to close them. Even um, when I first started recording the podcast, I felt most comfortable recording in my closet with the light off. Um, and sometimes even my eyes close still. I have noticed that as I do this more, I am more comfortable with the light on or my eyes open. Uh, but sometimes when I want to access more of a continuous flow of thoughts, having my eyes closed is just much easier for me. Uh, something else that I find interesting about that is that it can very easily flow in conversation with friends uh, and I, I don't have to close my eyes. I can, sometimes I do have to look away to process a thought, but I don't 
I, I, I can stay engaged. Um, yeah, so random, very random, curious, wandering there. Um, back to compassion and its presumption of suffering. I do presume that there was suffering in my life, and I've noticed that compassion for myself has come through more recently in the form of this inner voice, this voice within me that is kind and loving and patient and this voice that I'm more likely to listen to than I used to be. Sometimes she would come in and she would say, so like, this is, this is one that's common. In the morning I wake up and I've got to pee. And I'm like, ugh, okay, I gotta get out of bed. I don't wanna get out of bed. And I'm like the little kid, I'm like, uh, mom, I don't wanna. And the voice is like, you should just get up and go. You'll feel better. And I used to just be like, nope, I'm gonna stay in bed. And then I would hear it again, like, you should get up and go before someone else gets into the bathroom. Like, ugh, whatever. And I'd stay in bed. And then someone else would get in the bathroom. And then the other voice would come in and like, ugh, you should have done it. Told you. Like, stupid. And that voice, like, is powerful. Or was powerful within me. Was prominent within me. The, the mean girl voice. The voice that beat me up. And I used to listen to her a lot more. And now the voice that says, like, hey, get up and go. You'll feel better. I'm like, okay. <laughs> And I'm really proud of myself for listening to her. I feel like she is the compassionate voice. She is the voice that knows that I've suffered and doesn't want me to suffer. She's the voice that is the voice of my inner knowing and my intuition and the voice of love and the voice of real protection. Um, and I, I suppose she is the voice of, um, like the purer mother. Um, so she's like the softer care for that inner child. And my inner child that's like, Meh, I don't wanna, is like, oh, well, hey, you actually care about me. Oh, hey, like you lead me towards good things. Like I've built some trust with her and that's largely thanks to, uh, the smart body, smart mind program and the following the impulses. And, um, in doing that, I've developed a, a relationship with those impulses, which seem to, um, come through with that voice. And it's really nice. I'll talk more about that when I, when I talk about some other things from the program. But um, when it comes to assuming suffering of other people, I, <laughs> I realize that I've had a tendency to, well, I have an ability to see it, to see their suffering and want to fix it. And that's not compassion. <laughs> um, that's overstepping boundaries unless the unless someone's asked for a solution or a reflection 
Um, it's not minding my own business, which is overstepping a boundary. And it is um, potentially harmful because I think sometimes people aren't ready to realize their suffering. It reminds me of something that I heard in the Smart Body, Smart Mind course about the body being the medicine and people not being ready to go there because they've only seen the body as pain. Um, I don't know why that brought that to mind. I'm not sure how it relates, but it brought it up. So, uh, yeah, I think some people don't realize that they're suffering. Uh, and to realize that they're suffering would just crumble them. And so it's not my place to point out. And um, seeing compassion as just love would be like, oh, it's loving to do this. But realizing that compassion has this component of suffering and that it's not nice to presume suffering, I think allows me to keep the compassion well bound within myself, like on my side of the street and to reduce, um, chance of harming someone with compassion. I'm just kind of talking this through for the first time, honestly. So maybe it sounds crazy or maybe it makes sense. Um, but I think that with that compassion, I can have understanding and just allow it to be. Um, and also expand compassion to myself when Yeah, I don't know. That thought has left me. So that's where I'm going to end on compassion. Um, those are, that's how the three C's are happening for me. Um, Reevaluating commitments um, that have sort of been lost, using the tools that I learned from my coach to re, uh, like redirect my course right now um, and recommit to things in a new way, continuing to embrace that curiosity and, um, and be grateful for the sense of safety that I have, recognize when I'm not feeling safe and using the resources available to me to establish safety so that I can be more in a space of curiosity where all possibility can um, find me. And then um, being compassionate with my with myself first and allowing that voice within me to uh, guide me and to develop a relationship with it and uh, using compassion for good and, and not um, as like a Oh, gosh, weapon's not the right word, but yeah, maybe it is like to not weaponize compassion in a way that uh, is a desire to fix 
or to emphasize suffering unnecessarily. All right, that's all. I, um, I hope you're well in this weird time. Um, maybe you are um, feeling kind of like I have been with like using the opportunity of like everyone in the room's dancing to dance a little too and maybe do some things that you wanted to do but the monotony of life kept you from um and if you're not if you're in a different space where everything feels like it's crashing down um I hope that you can find your way to a safer feeling soon and I would invite you to reach out to people to um any resources that you might have um to help you build a little bit more of a a stable foundation for yourself so that maybe you can join the dance party if that makes sense I don't know I feel like I've rambled we'll see if I even publish this (laughs) um but regardless it's felt good for me to get it out so I'm gonna sign off um you can follow me over on Instagram I'm gonna share more about my smart body smart mind experiences there um I've been just sharing more insights and stuff and whatnot there than I have been on the podcast lately. So that's a great place to get in touch with me. It's at Unraveling Rachel, all one word, and um, lots of love to y'all. All right, bye.